Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today we're talking about Kim Kardashian's robbery. Chris Brown's gun problems might be over. We'll talk about that and more on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is served. Hello, Justice fans. Welcome to Justice is Served. We're talking all about the latest in legal news this past week. Thanks for joining. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I'm an attorney joined by my co-host and fellow attorney, Shaka Smith. Hey there, how's it going? Great. Glad to be here again. Great. All right. We got to get started on this most disturbing story. Uh, Kim Kardashian gets robbed at gunpoint. I have to say that it is one of my biggest nightmares. Yeah, and I'm glad we started with the, the Kanye song. We know that he had to leave the stage and go rush to be by her side. I mean, just the, I th- I, and I thought of this, like, it's a home invasion style robbery. Yeah. She was basically home alone at a rented apartment in Paris. Um, two gunmen, masked, come in. Uh, Bound her, put her in the bathtub, and yeah. I, I, I read, and I don't know because she hasn't officially released very many comments, but she asked the concierge who was in the room at the time and also uh, handcuffed and held at gunpoint whether they were going to die, and the concierge said, I don't know. This just is the most terrifying thing I could ever imagine, and whether or not it's you know fair for people to blame her for showing off the jewelry on social media is a topic for conversation, but legally she is a victim of a really heinous, terrible uh, robbery. It has become so sort of well-known. Well, you you would think she is legally the victim, but... uh, (laughs) The way that some people are talking about it, you think... Maybe otherwise. Right. Uh, Word of this has gotten infiltrated popular culture and the law so much that even the Supreme Court, uh, the justices on the Supreme Court, who we don't normally think of, is very uh, up to the date on (laughs) cultural... Pop culture savvy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Are commenting on it in open... Well, I don't know if in open court, but during oral arguments of a real-life case. Yeah. this happened yesterday. Justice Stephen Breyer, was, all the justices were hearing a case, and the case is about some California guy who wiped somebody's account clean, a bank account clean, and his defense for uh, bank theft or bank fraud yeah. is that you can't steal from a bank if the bank's money is insured and the bank will get the money back anyway. Creative. It's a great, wonderful argument for maybe a (laughs) seven-year-old. No one's missing the money. Why is there a problem with me having it? The problem, the other problem with that, besides it being ridiculous, is that if it's not bank fraud, then you've just committed insurance fraud. So six of one, half a dozen of the other, who cares? You're going to jail, buddy. Yeah, and we know, obviously, just because something's insured does not mean it can be stolen without any um, without any punishment. So that's the point that Stephen Breyer was making yeah. when he asked the defendant's attorney, so if Kim Kardashian's thief assumed that the jewels were insured, does that make him not a thief after all? Yeah. Uh, which obviously was part, sort of a tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic but, question. But he also said, you know, if this in fact happened, which I thought was interesting, uh, because that's been really, some of the online chatter has been whether or not this was a hoax. I mean, the fa- the idea that she would have done this for publicity, I yeah. think, is silly to me. Of all the things that that woman is able to do yeah. to garner publicity, yeah. 
this I don't think would have ever been on her radar. I'm just shocked that the justice would be paying so close attention to this, that he's even hearing the, the rumors of, of what's happening regarding this. Yeah, or I case. think that he's just being careful as an officer of the court to assume that anything has been proven when a court has not found that somebody has been guilty of a robbery. Perhaps, so he's sort of like but I wonder if he's on some blogs or on TMZ. <laughs> I mean because an officer of the court is very well trained in yeah. assuming that a crime has not occurred, a defendant has not com- committed a crime unless it's been proved beyond a, a reasonable doubt. And so I think that kind of language may just be in his vernacular to sort of be suspicious and sarcastic <laughs> and not to take news stories as fact. Yeah, well, I thought he was discussing the case with enough um, distance um, and hyperbole that, you know, he, he, that that qualification wasn't necessary. I think he's probably well aware of some of the rumors surrounding yeah. the story. And, and some of the question is, so if she is making this up, what kind of legal con- consequences would she be facing? Yeah, I mean, well, certainly, obviously, filing a false police report, but, you know, this happened in Paris, so... You the know, laws are different. Yeah, there, the laws yeah. are different there, but um, it's almost, I guess, sort of like a Ryan Lochte situation again. If if she were to have made this up, which I personally very much doubt. the The theory that sounds more plausible is that this is an inside job, mm-hmm. which would all almost make me more terrified yeah. if I were her that somebody that she trusted would betray her to this extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll just have to stay tuned and see how the facts unfold here. Yeah, I mean, just it's it's so bizarre, but what a what a huge case because you just don't hear of people of that that stature with that much security, you know, um, getting violated in that way. So, yeah, so we will keep paying close attention uh, to that story, and we'll of course hope that there are arrests and that we. We'll maybe get some insight into the France legal France's legal system uh, when we uh, see how this goes down there because it would be prosecuted yeah, uh, by the French courts. All right. Speaking of guns and moving on to Chris Brown, we talked uh, last month about Chris Brown allegedly pulling a gun on a woman, Bailey Curran. Yeah. And where has that case gone now? Well, it looks like... Uh they don't have enough evidence. So the the LA prosecutor uh, does not have enough evidence from the police to move forward. So uh, the police asked the DA for an extension um, for about two more weeks to give them the evidence that they have, believing that they don't have enough for the um, DA to move forward. Now, what we do know is that there was that duffel bag, that that infamous duffel bag <laughs> that was gun. thrown out with two guns. But they're not able to tie these two guns to Chris Brown, and as a result, their case is very weak. It relies mainly on the testimony of Bailey Kern, who's had her own legal issues as well. Right. The uh, prosecution saying that her story is kind of weak, her credibility, sort of reputation uh, is weak, and the fact that she went around and blabbed to all these media outlets makes this look a little funky, and that it might not be not just worth their time, but because more evidence hasn't come in. Maybe there was no Chris Brown uh, fingerprint on any of the guns. Well, I'm, I, and that's what's bizarre to me. Not bizarre, it actually makes complete sense. I am almost certain he called his attorney in that moment before he threw any bag out the window and maybe, maybe was possibly advised to do that. And so now there's no evidence that can really connect him with even the guns and the use of the guns. And so as a result of that duffel bag throwing out the window, the case is very weak against him. So very likely this could be the last time that we talk about this case unless something miraculous happens or Chris Brown turns around and sues the woman. Yeah, and certainly that might be something he'd want to do to have a chilling effect. But, 
you know, a chilling effect on people making false claims, but it might be a chilling effect on people making valid claims, you know? Right. Or uh, I guess if the police find that the story was really made up, she could be prosecuted for filing a, f- a false police report, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's a number of ways that this could go down, but I would say 75% chance this is it. it we don't hear yeah, about this Yeah, I think again. it doesn't go anywhere, yeah. All right. Well, now uh, let's talk about school, shall we? Mm. Are you looking for a career in tech, maybe business, data, design, or marketing? Trying to get that promotion or raise? Who isn't? (laughs) Yeah, of course. So just excel in your career. You need 21st century training and skills. General Assembly is the largest and most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace. Whether it's learning remotely, online, or in person at one of their beautiful campuses, you can join the 350,000 people. That's a lot. This place That's must, um, if it hasn't been around that long, is certainly making progress very quickly because 350 students is really something to be commended for. I think it speaks to its effectiveness. Yeah. So that many people, 350,000 people, have already gotten the training needed to propel careers in tech and business. More than 2,500 companies worldwide hire uh, GA's graduates, and get this, this part is always really astonishing to me, 99% of graduates participate uh, in their GA career services, land a new role in their field within six months of starting their yeah. job search. And that's huge. You don't want to pay for school and then not get something from it. I know. How much did we all pay for our education? Let's Some of us, like 200 it. grand, and there were no promises there, right? <laughs> Take control of your talent and career now. Find out more at ga.co slash geek. That's ga.co slash geek. Geek spelled G-E-E-K. Enter the promo code geek to save on your first class, workshop, or event. Once again, that's ga.co slash geek. Code word geek. Thank you so much, General Assembly, for supporting uh, Black Hollywood Live and for helping make this show free to our viewers each and every week. Well, each and every week that they're supporting us, right? (laughs) Thank you so much, General Assembly. All right, so now let's move on to uh, the Supreme Court speaks on the NCAA. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had, you know, I'm not that much of a basketball fan. All I knew was that the NCAA doesn't pay the players any money for playing because it's supposed to be you know, amateur. But in exchange, they're supposed to get a great college education <laughs> and a good yeah. shot at going to the NBA. Yeah. That's sort of the fantasy that I lived in until I saw a John Oliver um, episode of Last Week Good Night where he what is it called? Last Week Tonight. That's what it is. Where he broke down just how much money is made oh, yeah. in the NCAA between the coaches' salaries and even the company that's, that makes the ladder that they climb to cut down the net mm-hmm. after yeah. the winning game. The, how, just how much money is made and how the players See, have zero rights. It, yeah. um, so They don't get paid. Their, their name, their likeness, their image can be used, yeah. um, obviously so, on TV. Yeah, so the NCAA will license to video games these likenesses and make money that way, but the players don't see a dime of it. 
Right. And then it, the show talked about how they, in reality, they don't get that great of an education because they're put in really ridiculously easy classes in order to make room for them to have lots of rigorous training sessions. Yeah, so they're paying for your education, but an education you're not really getting. So if something happens, injury or whatever befalls you, and you don't make it to the, the professional league, you're really kind of, you know... Stuck. You haven't really learned much in the way of skills that are going to help you out in the Afterwards, job place. Yeah. All right, so um, there was so much more to it. I was just really appalled. And so then it was great when I saw that there was a class action case um, taken up by NCAA players to try and get some rights, um, whether it be money or whether it just be the ability to own their own name and likeness. So uh, there was a trial in August of 2014. Mm -hmm. And in that trial, the judge thought that the way things are right now is unreasonable. It is unfair. That was good news to the players. Then things got a little dicey when it went up to the next level, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, Do you remember what they said? Well, the Ninth Circuit found that they were doing more of a balancing test, you know, with the freedom of speech and whether or not the players, uh, as amateurs, were needed to be compensated. And the compensation, whether it had to be small or big, and I think that's where they aired, um, was making the argument about the amount of compensation for these players. So it wasn't really great news for the players. It wasn't really good news for the NCAA. They had the choice of you know going back to the trial court level, but instead they opted to kick it up or try to kick it up to the Supreme Court yeah. to hear out this like antitrust case yeah. and make the decision. But womp womp, Supreme Court Declined. denied it. Yeah. So what does that really mean? So what it means is that case is now going to go back to the lower court to, um, for determination to, as to what's going to take place. So that lower court, um, that opinion holds, and then they're going to kick it back to be reviewed. So it's just, I guess, the Supreme Court didn't want to take up this one issue Or it could also mean that they see in the docket a better case that could speak to this issue that they could that they want to make a decision on. Uh, So it it doesn't really mean anything good or bad. I saw a quote from uh, an attorney for the NCAA who said that the court agreed that you know something something. I'm like, no, the court did not agree that. Sometimes lawyers just make me like giggle slash be annoyed at some of the ridiculous interpretations they have when the Supreme Court declines to hear the case. But be that as it may, it, it, the case is not over, thank no. goodness. Yeah. It'll just go back down to the trial court to figure out, um, hopefully, I mean, not say once and for all, because no matter what the trial court... It won't be uh, ending because it's not up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, it'll go probably back up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And, you know, the Ninth Circuit is the the region out west here, which yeah. tends to be liberal. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if the Court of Appeals would side with um, with the players. Yeah. Because the the reality of how much exploitation of these people there is, is just so outrageous. And the fact that they can come out of college with very little education and not much money at all, and so it makes it hard for them to find a living, and they're kind of left um, to some degree very aimless. Yeah, and the whole idea that they go from college to the NBA like it's a nice funnel or breeze right in is a total 
fantasy. Yeah. The statistics are exceedingly low, like maybe it's 1%. Yeah, extremely low. And so that's why I think that this is straight exploitation mm-hmm. of people who have a big dream but may not realize that they're not going to get that great education that they're they're promised and that the chances of them getting into the NBA re- really are are not that great. Yeah, and certainly it allows them to, you know, if, if they don't make it, if they have some money from these years, they can maybe retrain and go to another um, educationally retrain if yeah. they haven't been given that proper education. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm rooting for the players on on that one. I NCAA, I mean, what what do you think is there if they have a strongest argument for keeping things the way they are? I mean, simply their strongest argument is that these are amateur players and that 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 competition, money-wise, in these years that are formative to them becoming professional is somehow antithetical to um, to professional, whatever, whatever professional sports league they're going to. So, I, I mean, I just... Okay, let's flesh this out a little. Yeah. Let's just say they're allowed to be paid, but it's something pretty minimal. Um, as long as it's um, all schools pay the same amount, maybe, yeah. so that that doesn't create any unfairness among schools, that whether it's 25000 10000 you know. But that. then, but then if, you, if, look, if you're looking to the burden of on certain schools, then that might be an issue that they're going to have to parse out, whether or not them paying is a burden on particular schools. But it's so crazy that compared to how much these coaches make, and there's like a whole staff oh, yeah. of coaches and the medical team, and uh, there is a lot of money being made. I mean, maybe it's the NCAA that should pay rather than the schools, but I, I can't see how they they would win on keeping things the, the same. I mean, unless we get a... A, a Scalia 2.0 <laughs> who says the Constitution doesn't give any rights to amateur sports players to bad guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, constitutionally, I think that their arguments there aren't strong, but at the same time, I see that they have arguments, and I, I don't know um, if the freedom of speech argument is going gonna, is gonna to wash here. Yeah, I, I don't see how that does either. E- even with a conservative you know, Supreme Court uh, justice. I mean, it's interesting that this case could hinge on who wins the next presidential oh, election. Yeah, certainly. Uh, obviously, Hillary Clinton would like to put a liberal justice to replace Scalia, whereas Trump would replace Scalia with, you know, basically and another I, version of I, Scalia. Well, and I think whoever replaces Scalia on the Hillary Clinton side would probably be someone a little bit more neutral, like Merrick Garland. Um, so you're not necessarily assured of which way they're going to rule, but I don't think they're going to replace Scalia with a liberal. It's going to be someone a little bit more middle of the road. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay. And so, of course, it wouldn't be a, a week here in America unless we saw a story of uh, the police treating somebody brutally. Yeah. Uh, this week is no different. And uh, we have video that we're going to show of, of a case. But just to give you some background on here, this uh, was is the case of, of a man from Ohio, Pele Smith. And um, we're going to show the video and then talk about um, the, the, the claim that he has now uh, filed. So let's go ahead and roll the video. Oh, all right. So um, what... 
what we'll see soon is uh, the the means in which he was arrested. Yeah. And the, this case now is is a federal civil rights case. Yeah, because he's suing yeah, for, for his mother to oh, look out for his son. Police handcuffed him from behind and escorted him to a cruiser. Suddenly, I mean, oh my God. just okay. One of the yeah. officers. All right, we can cut. So yeah. I, it's just so uh, horrifying to to watch yeah, that. that. Like classic excessive force. Yeah. Um, so, in case you're listening, what everyone else saw um, is the officers already have him cuffed. There doesn't seem to be anybody around. He's walking towards a police cruiser. He doesn't seem to be struggling with the police, trying to get away. Uh, there's a, a number of police there, so it doesn't seem that the situation is out of control at all. You see from the dash cam video inside the cop cruiser that they're walking towards a car when just seemingly out of nowhere the Uh, uh, Smith's Smith's face just gets clobbered into the windshield so hard that the windshield immediately cracks. Um, And so he has now sued um, the officer that pushed him into the windshield that hard is Officer Zachary uh, Farinick, who said he didn't realize that he had used so much force or he didn't really mean to. It was some really weak argument. I thought that if you were going to defend yourself, the way the defense would have been that that level of force was called for in that situation. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be, I I don't know my own strength. It's not necessarily (laughs) it's not a defense at all. Not a good one at all because the only reason that any kind of force like that would be acceptable is if um, you know he was struggling. Uh, he being Pele Smith, I th- and I think they did kind of allege that he there was some sort of struggle and that he 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 was uncooperative with the officer. That's what was alleged, but from the video we don't see that. Though. And then it's just funny to me how so many people on the police side say, "Well, the the video doesn't show the whole story." Yeah. And in this case, I mean, I understand, okay, maybe that's the case in some but situations. But typically we like video because usually it shows the whole story. I mean, that's kind of why we like it. This shows clear as yeah. day what was happening right before. I mean, maybe it doesn't show what happened. It doesn't for sure show what was said or maybe some of what was done in the struggle when they were actually arresting him. Yeah. But it's not like... Uh, they the officers had any reason to fear for their lives. It's not that they were arresting somebody who was out waving a gun or shooting anybody. He was being arrested for drugs. Yeah, and and maybe he did say something to inflame the officer, and later on the officer got his moment, but that's not what officers are supposed to do. Right, and the accusation was that he swallowed drugs to... you know, to obstruct justice and things of that nature. But and, and he did he did plead guilty to those things and was uh, I think he was given probation. So, however, the fact that he was guilty of what they were picking him up for, or arrested for, does not justify the use of excessive force. Right. So, just because he was guilty yeah. doesn't mean that the police can also yeah. uh, and not just like wouldn't be guilty. Just because you're a guilty suspect, I mean, it turns out you're guilty doesn't mean you should be shot and killed. Right. So. So because, I mean, it, it seems to me that really the criteria is met. Force was used to arrest him. Force was uh, excessive given the circumstances. It caused him um, injury. He went to the hospital after he got treated for that. That 
really, you know, those are the basics. I don't, uh, this is a federal case, and I think that that's uh, basically the federal rules, too. They're the same as as California. Uh, So I, I, I see that he should be successful in yeah. this case. Um, there's, there weren't specific damages that were requested. You want to take a guess as to what bare well, damages might be? Uh, I think it'll probably run in the six figures, but and I think uh, part of that is that deterrent effect, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, I hope that you are right about that. All right, so now turning to a totally different kind of legal conundrum... Maybe you're a good person to ask because you're on IMDb, Mm, right? Yeah. Have you ever, and maybe I'm asking the wrong person because you're a man, (laughs) not a woman, but have you ever felt discriminated against because of your age? Uh, Well, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not surprised? But it is a big problem in um, the industry, especially for females. Right. So there is a new law that was recently signed by Governor Brown Mm -hmm. that is intended to fight age discrimination that women in the industry have been facing. They have complained a long time to the union that they're not getting jobs because of their age being a readily available fact on IMDb. Yeah. You think that's a fair complaint? Or have you heard that complaint amongst friends in the industry? I haven't heard that complaint, but I... Is it a fair worry? Of course it's a fair worry. Um, legally, however, I, I don't think um, this will stand because I, I don't see how you can legally prohibit someone from putting something online that's factual. That's true. Yeah, so that's sort of just you know what happened. So there was a lot of pressure from the union in the industry to get this law passed. Yeah, and naturally the union wants to protect its workers, so yeah, it makes sense. So it looks like... And a lot of the articles out there about this are, this is just a clear, blatant violation of the First Amendment, you know, free speech. How can you um, make somebody liable for damages for putting out a fact like somebody's age? Yeah. And I can see that except when you look a little bit closer Hmm. because, first of all, we all know that there are exceptions to I think virtually all the amendments, maybe not the soldiering quarters during time of war. I haven't seen an exception (laughs) to that, but most all of them have exceptions. Um, For example, it would be um, against the law for me to disclose a disease, Shaka, that you have, Mm -hmm. that you may actually have. You know, people put out there, you know, somebody else has an STD. And even if that is true, when you put that out there, you can still be sued for that. Yeah, and uh, and I think that is of the kind that's different than age. But you know, I see the I see how it's trying to work the argument towards that. So the reason that you don't put out somebody's factual medical history or diagnosis is because it's damaging to them, yeah, socially, economically, and in this case. Putting a woman's age out there, and the women that we're talking about are not like A-list celebrities who everybody knows. These yeah. are, you know, uh, women lesser known. Yeah, well, that's who it's affecting. You know, obviously, no one cares how old Angelina Jolie is. She's still a big box office draw. But yeah, for women who are still kind of coming up to the industry and competing for smaller roles, that's who it's really affecting. Right. So they they are harmed when people know their age, and they're harmed economically. And in this world we care a lot about 
economic injuries to people. I, I just think it's so hard to pinpoint because age in of itself is not something um, like an STD, whereas there's no good STD news. But, well, uh, it, 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 but I mean, you could. the argument is a fact. An STD is a fact if it's a fact. But it's... It's a negative fact, whereas age in of itself is not well, a negative I fact. Would, it, well, if I wish age, you could be a woman for a day. and If she's 20, if her age is 18, if her age is 12. But age in of itself is not a negative fact. It, in, I, I think that you probably would know more than I how much age is an issue in the industry, is it not? Uh, yeah, certainly. And and if they, they can show that there is a um, sort of a, a history, that, that it's a real issue that age discrimination occurs, then I think that they have standing. Now, the other part of that is this, is that even if you create an exception to an amendment, you have to show that that exception is really narrowly tailored Mm -hmm. to the interest that it's trying to advance, right? I I sound like my law school (laughs) professor right now. And the way that I see it, this law was very narrowly written because even though it uses general language like uh, Hollywood databases, Mm -hmm. the reality is, is the only one that fits it is IMDb. Yeah. And IMDb is a commercial enterprise. So they're subject to different First Amendment rules. Mm -hmm. Why are they... Because they're a commercial enterprise, it, they have to be in, engaging in commercial speech, however. Well, so, w- so wouldn't anything that a commercial enterprise put out there about... I mean, they're they're not promoting or having these actresses on their website for fun. No, no. IMDb actually is sort of a Wikipedia for actors and actresses. So if you're going to Wikipedia, is that considered commercial speech? Well, the, the attorney's argument is that they're intertwined, the free version and the paid version. Well, now version. they have a paid version that... Um, that is more in line with commercial speech. And their argument is the two are intertwined, but I would argue the two are not intertwined. One is a paid version. One is a version that people well, do use. I to... think I think it's fair to say that the free version is a marketing tool for the paid version. Oh, you know, I... there's a lot of a lot of companies out there that offer a free version of something that they're doing as a way to entice you or to build a name no, for agree. the brand and then funnel people to a sales or a, a paid for version. But I would say the paid for version only makes sense for industry professionals, and so. For, I'm going to guess, and this is a guess, that the majority of um, viewership of IMDb are the general public rather than people in the industry. So I think that being a platform for the IMDb Pro, which is a commercial industry professional thing, that's probably only targeting a very small percentage of people that are viewing the IMDb page. I think the majority of people that view it view it as a Wikipedia for actors and actresses. Mm. Well, it seems the, the, and, the consensus out there in the legal field is yeah. is really what you're saying. I guess maybe... Because I empathize with these these women, I'm trying to see all all, all the ways in which I think that the union uh, I do empath- and this law are constitutional. I, I do empathize, but at the same time, who who are you saying is getting discriminated against? Women. All women. Is it women over forty? Is it women over thirty? Women between fifteen and eighteen. So so I think that is where you also get in some gray area. Well, any form of age discrimination doesn't matter that the. the the age is some age discrimination is a uh, an issue that we that is well known like in in the courts and it but, receives yeah. about the middle level of scrutiny. But yeah, but they they are arguing specifically it's really going to be affecting women over a certain age, women over forty, 
And so that being part of their argument, I don't think helps them. So you think that the law would be narrowly tailored if it said that women who are over the age of 40 can have their can, ages withdrawn or, but then or again, hidden? But then again, if your age is not there, then the assumption is you're over 40. So, oh, man. Um, I, ultimately, I think the law won't stand. Oh, all right. Well, we will see. Probably not for a couple of years. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and then. Because IMDb yeah. could just say, fine, we'll do it. Yeah, because I believe, what's the date? Is it January 1st? It goes into effect in January, January yeah. So they can either say, we'll do it, or they can say, no, we won't do it. And they have their own, I believe, arbitration process. Mm. All right. Okay. And now, we don't normally do this, but we have a a movie recommendation yeah. Because it covers so well a, a lot of the issues that we, we talk about. We're going to show you the trailer for Ava DuVernay's um, latest movie that's coming out this Friday yeah. on Netflix uh, about the criminal justice system and specifically about the 13th Amendment. So if we're ready, we'll roll the, the trailer and then talk a little bit more about why we think it's so important for you to see it in the world are locked up here in the land of the free. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. Then they said, we're gonna take you to the precinct and most likely we're gonna let you go home and then I never went home. 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave. Exceptions, including criminals. The loophole was immediately exploited. What you got after that was a rapid transition to a mythology of black criminality. Some people got the real problem. Animals, beasts that needed to be controlled. You better believe it. I'm only human. It became virtually impossible for a politician to run and appear soft on crime. The kinds of kids that are called super predators. Millions of dollars will be allocated for prison and jail facilities. Three strikes and you are out. It was an enormous burden on the black community, but it also violated a sense of core fairness. The states were required to keep these prisons filled, even if nobody was committing a crime. It's so difficult to talk about mass incarceration because it has become heavily monetized. We've talked about that recently on this show. Taking people from prison, putting them in community corrections, parole and probation. How much progress is it really if now there's a private company making money off the GPS monitor? So disgusting. Now African Americans under criminal supervision all the slaves back in the 1850s. We are the products of the history that our ancestors chose. Products of that set of choices that we have to understand in order to escape from it. I wonder, I don't know if it's normal to cry during a documentary, but I feel like I probably will. I I think it's, yeah, I think it's so so great that um, Ava DuVernay's getting this on. It's going to be on Netflix, so it's going to be... People can see it. Easily accessible starting yeah. Friday, October 7th. and I think it'll put a lot of things uh, in context for a lot of people. And a lot of perspective in it. it will, you know, because we've talked here about, you know, mass incarceration, 
private prisons, how recently the federal government said that they're not going to renew contracts and with the, private prison and companies. The, and at the end of the day, it's like, what does that all mean? I don't think people understand what that means, like in a very yeah. practical and real sense. And even, you know, it, I feel a little bit sometimes to this audience, we're a little bit preaching to the choir because obviously you have an interest in the law. Maybe you have some background in it. You already know what the 13th Amendment says. But I think that the more of us that know these facts and statistics, like the one that Cory Booker mentioned about right. how the fact that there are now more black people in prison today than there were ever slaves. To know things like that and to be able to cite things like that gives us more depth when we're having conversations with people who just don't yet get it. Yeah, and even amongst ourselves, because I consider myself someone who's kind of plugged in. But years ago, I heard about mass incarceration, and I knew it was a problem. I just didn't know what it meant, you know? And so now you see the effects of mass incarceration. You see what it means in people's lives that um, they're essentially exploited because um, they Somebody may have makes a, crime a profit or, yeah. of keeping them in jail. And the other part that I like about it is that I saw an interview of somebody re- uh, connected with the movie, and that one of the issues that they talk about is Alec. Alec is like kind of this, I don't know, not-so-secret society, American Legislative Exchange Council. And I really think it's important for everybody to understand who they are. They're really a collection of businesses that write legislation – Basically, they hire politicians by paying for their campaigns. And about how that entity um, has authored a lot of the laws that have led to this mass incarceration Mm. that we've seen. And that there have been a lot of activists that have been really effective in in reducing Alec's power. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, but it is – but I – my – my belief is that they're going to give us some real things that we can do. Yeah. They're not just going to inform us and, you know, tell us how terrible that this funnel between slavery and mass incarceration has been. They're going to give us, you know, tools and I think resources of things that we can do. Yeah, because if it's not an issue that is hitting home for you, you may be alert alert to it but not doing anything about it. And I, and I think, I suspect that with this film that you will be equipped to be able to do something about it. Even if online petitions or um, who you vote for and yeah. understanding the consequences of, you know, sometimes now on these... Um, uh, election ads, whether it's for a proposition or for a politician, a candidate themselves, you'll see on the bottom of the screen who's funding it. Yeah, and that's important. And sometimes I think we uh, activists think, well, if if the name of who's funding this ad is on there, that that would be enough for people to realize who's behind it. No, because then you still have to do the extra research. E- even as an activist, you always have to do the extra research because you don't know what group or you know what yeah. who they represent. And so now, when you, I, I suspect that when you you'll see that language up on. Um, TV ads, and you see these names, you will now have heard those names, you will understand what those entities are and understand their agenda. Well, yeah, hopefully we get that sort of making a murderer effect, but actually here you can be more effective because that was a court case. It's yeah. very hard to be to do anything about a decision a judge has. But with this, we're talking about legislation and you know congressmen and people you can and sway and write into. this is preventative. I mean, yeah. hopefully if we take this far enough, we can get a lot of people out of prison who yeah. are unfairly there. Or, or just the state prisons get rid of the private there, like we're doing in the federal level, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So uh, I would urge you to to see it. I I know I'm going to yeah, well, see I'm it Friday sure. night, and we'll, we'll all we'll definitely find a way to talk about it on this show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
All right. Maybe even next week when we come back for another episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. If in the meantime, before now and next week, you have a uh, comment for us, you can tweet at us. I am Chelsea Galicia at Chelsea Galicia. I'm at Shaka Strong, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Love to hear from you guys. And see you next week, everyone. Bye, y'all. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.